Welcome to Taking the High Road, a Driver Reach and Freight Waves production. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder and CEO of Driver Reach, a modern recruiting and compliance solution. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insights to the driver lifecycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. I appreciate the constant feedback uh, I'm getting on the show. It means a lot to me that you're finding the content valuable and useful. Uh, don't forget to rate and review Taking the High Road, whatever platform you use to listen. This week, I'm excited to chat with two great industry friends and integrated partners, two innovative minds in the driver recruiting world, Travis Overton, president and owner of CDL Life, and Charles Gracie, president of Hot Seat Services, who recently joined Cub Ventures, the family of brands, uh, which is the holding company of CDL Life. Uh, first of all, congratulations on that, and uh, welcome to the show, Charles and Travis. Thank you Thanks. so much. Glad to be back. I always love doing this with you, Jeremy. Well, this is now your third time, Travis, and uh, that's an exclusive club and uh, certainly honored that you're a part of it. And I'm excited to chat with both of you today on, you know, what CDL Life is up to now. You know, I'd like to hear about the recently held uh, second annual Turning Point Summit. I definitely don't want to miss the opportunity to get some great practices, uh, you know, uh, some advice in the areas of recruiting and retention, especially with having two great thought leaders in the space. Uh, and of course, we'll answer a question from one of our listeners during our deeper dive segment. Does that work for both of you? Yeah, absolutely. Let's absolutely. do it. So Charles, even before we dive in, this is you. This is your first time joining me on the show, which I'm really excited that we we're finally able to, to get you on. Um, tell me a little about your background, if you don't mind. Uh, I know this is kind of, I'm throwing this on you at the moment, but just how did you get your start in the trucking industry? Because I see you everywhere and you're super passionate and I always appreciate that. How did you get your start? Where, you know, what are your roots? You know, I grew up in the industry. My dad was a driver and a terminal manager. So uh, at an early age, I was brought into trucking and then I watched him progress through his career, moving from the truck to a terminal manager position. One of my first jobs was cleaning tankers and changing oil. So uh, I've worked everything from working in the shop, sweeping the floors, changing oil, doing pre-trip inspections for the drivers at the inspection lanes to working in dispatch safety. And then when I got in the military, I fell back to what I knew, which was trucking. It's what I grew up in. Uh, so it was just a natural fit. I went in as a driver, got my CDL, uh, drove for just about eight years and then said I would never go into office after watching my dad progress. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. And someone saw something in me, moved me into the office. I worked in safety and uh, just kind of took off from there. And it was just one of those things that it felt right. You're a lifer. Right. You're a, you're a lifer. He actually holds uh, a CDL, Jeremy. He was a truck driver for eight years. It's, yeah, that's it's awesome. crazy. That's and first of all, I'm, as, as probably most of our viewers are trying to do the math in their head of how old you are, because I think you're that that you're probably older and have more experience than 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 you might uh, appear. So, Travis, uh, you know, for you just and for the audience, sake, especially since you've, you've grown, you slightly morphed over the years, maybe. If you could share, like, how best you, would you describe CDL Life today? And, you know, what's the what's the main reason or, or benefits that companies have when they when they partner with you today? Yeah, I always appreciate this question because it would take me 10 minutes to probably truly explain all the multifaceted and all the different things that CDL Life does. I mean, we, we're a news publisher. The driver knows us as a news publisher, right? So we produce content. Just like the, the same reason why you're having this podcast, right? Content's king. Those that do content well, you grow user bases, you get fans, you get engagement, you get followers. So from a driver perspective, we are a resource for news and entertainment. Our mobile app is geared specifically for the driver. 
Um, we leverage that audience from a marketing standpoint. We are marketing and advertising experts, and we take our knowledge base and we help trucking companies figure out how to spend their money as efficiently as possible. And um, there's a lot of different products out there to use. And, and, and CDO Life, we, we have a host of products. We have a diverse range of products that we offer up. Um, you know, everything from direct leads to match leads to social media management, different things that just solve unique problems that carriers have. And as as we've grown and as we've scaled, I mean, we've worked, Jeremy, with over 1,400 trucking companies. And I think the last time I was on your show, I think that number was probably 1,100. And so the number of companies that we've worked with is massive. And um, but the problems aren't unique. It's the same problem that carriers have repeatedly. And I, my mind is just trying to identify solutions to them. And w- what do you have to implement to, number one, operationalize the problem they have? So if their problem is advertising, well, we do advertising better than anybody else. If their problem is not advertising and it's something else, how can we influence this, the product solution to that? And um, there's a lot of different products out there and, you know, there's definitely a host of good products, but I just, I like rolling my sleeves up and trying to provide carriers with the help they need. And um, so, so that's kind of how we've been evolving as we go. Um, so, um, more than happy to share more intimate details with you, but I yeah, think that's we'll, a good, we'll definitely, step. we'll definitely dive a little bit further. I think as we progress and I think for, for Charles, you know, I'm going to talk maybe a little bit pre joining the cup ventures family. Uh, you know, what, what prompted you to start hot seat services and, you know, did, was there, was there a pain in the industry that you felt that you could address? Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, when I was working at the carrier side, I was working in recruiting, uh, I saw a lot of voids in the services that were being provided to carriers from vendors. A lot of missed opportunities that I felt should have been taken care of. If everything ran the way it was supposed to, there would be no need for me to even do what I do. Um, I had a couple talks with people. They just did not connect the dots of what we found to be proper customer service on the vendor side. So. I quit my job as an executive, but I went, as many people saw in some of the earlier podcasts I've been part of, I started an office out of my garage recruiting, and it was just supposed to be me trying to help a couple carriers that I knew had pain points and finding drivers and communicating their offers effectively to the driver market. And then it's grown into what I have now, but really it was just trying to get out there and do business better, uh, maintain that integrity with the drivers, maintain that integrity of service with the carriers and put out something that was going to solve a problem and try to make everyone happy along the way. Well, I'm like you, I think I'm a big fan of uh, just focusing on how do I contribute to the you know solution, be part of the solution of this problem and focus on that and trust in the outcome, you'll succeed. If you, if your focus isn't on success, but focus on, you know, helping others, you know, succeed and change and improve, then trust that the uh, byproduct of that will be your own success. And, I think with the addition of hot seat to the fold, to the uh, Cup Ventures family fold, how does that change the landscape? And, and maybe that's a question for both of you, but how are you better able to help your customers succeed now um, in their recruiting efforts as a as sort of a more of a joint entity? 
I don't I don't know if it changes the landscape too terribly from where where it's at right now. I mean, it it, it definitely makes the process a little bit more efficient in my view. Um, you know, let me I'll, I'm going to try to explain it this way. Um, what CDL Life does, we primarily do. If you're a carrier, we primarily do advertising and marketing. So the job that you pay us for is to help get you leads and applications as efficiently as possible. But that's where we stop. Right, Jeremy? Like we CDL Life, I don't do anything else besides that. I just I just send you a lead and I send you an application. And when you unpack the root of what I why why am I doing that? Why do I send a lead to a carrier? Well, so they can turn it into a hire. Okay, how many more steps of the process are needed after we send a lead to a carrier? And as good as I am and as good as my team is in generating leads, if if a carrier has a poor execution of the lead, it doesn't matter how much they spend with me. You, I, can't, how, I, can't, I can't help you anymore, right? My point with this, how it changes the landscape is that when it makes the most sense, I want to be in a position where if a company comes to me and they say, man, I need hires, and I, and I can say, well, how many leads do you get a month? And they say, well, I get 2,000 leads a month. And I say, okay, how much do you spend? And they tell me, and I'm, it's like, well, do, you don't need more leads, walk me through your recruiters. Like I, I want to help you for CDL life, but, but if I told you that you needed more marketing, I would, I, in my heart, I knew that I would be lying to you. You don't need more marketing. You, you have a manpower problem. You need to be, get more efficient on the recruiting side. That's where, in my view, hot seats comes into the fold in the cup ventures family of brands, because me at the helm of CDL Live, I can transparently articulate that, listen, you don't need leads. You need help over on this side of the fence. Mm-hmm. And instead of me spinning my wheels trying to kind of help coach them on what they need, a company like Charles is able to intimately be a part of that process and to really fix that manpower problem that they have. Um, and so that's that's where I see it potentially changing the landscape. It's just a little bit more end to end funnel on the transparency of what the solution needs to be. Um, and so that's what I'm most excited about with uh, having Charles join the family. Yeah, a little bit furthering that life cycle engagement and helping not just the furthest upstream, you know, challenges that they have, but, you know, a little bit closer to actually, you know, converting and hiring the driver. And so. Uh, you know, Charles, you had the uh, opportunity to speak at, at the recent uh, second annual Turning Point Summit. And uh, I think everybody got to see and hear your passion for the industry and and, for, and the importance of uh, recruiting. So we'll talk about that. This was the second annual Turning Point uh, Summit, by the way, which beautiful uh, Midwest town of Kansas City. And Driver Reach was uh, honored to be a sponsor and attend. Great content uh, through and through. Great networking opportunity. And so very uh, happy that you've put that on uh, for the second year in a row. And hopefully that's something that's going to continue to uh, grow and, and spread. And I'm not sure if you have plans on where next year is going to be yet or if it's going to move around. Do you have any thoughts on that yet? Um, you know, it, I think the industry is going to force us to just have this every year, to be quite honest. It, it, it was such a good event, was wonderful feedback that we got. Um, I, I thought the speakers were amazing. I mean, we invested, our organization invested a lot of time and effort and resources and to make sure that this was very well done. And, um, you know, and, and, I, and I think the feedback we got, everybody said such glowing things about it that, um, 
it would be probably mistaken for us not to consider doing this again. So I, I, I can't tell you right now what dates or if we would do it, but I, I can give the commitment that our organization will be there leading in content in the same way that we've led in content for years. Um, for, on the driver's side, being a publisher, um, that I, it would be remiss for us not to put our best foot forward on the industry thought leadership um, of the content. And so I, I hope to you know, maintain that as kind of being somebody that's an ambassador for the industry and not, you know, not kind of self-centered and motivated on just my own efforts type of deal. So, right. um, well, very well done as you, you know, it, it, that's an understatement. It was fantastically well done. I think all, all the way through. And I think that's a testament to the amount of work and resources that, that you and the team put into it. So, um, that was fantastic. And I would say, you're right. When you do something like that and you do it really well, the expectation is that you're going to have to do it again, which is why, and this is speaking to any you know new dads out there, when you're changing diapers, you do it really poorly. And that way, the wife's like, you know what? I'll do it. <laughs> if you're going to do something well, you're going to be asked to do it again and again. But honestly, um, it, it, it's a great event. Like, like I said, great content, uh, great networking. And I'm glad that you, I'm not surprised that you got a lot of really good feedback on that so far. Well, make sure before next year's uh, is uh, is announced or before, you know, as we're promoting it, I want to make sure to have you uh, back on the show and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it and make sure we uh, share that with everybody. Uh, I do want to talk about just the state of the industry uh, today, you know, like where there's ever increasing challenge with hiring drivers, you know, that's still a thing that still exists. Uh, there's certainly been a much greater focus on, on retaining drivers. So I'm curious, maybe start with you, Charles, any any suggestions, any tips, you know, that, that would help uh, the audience improve their driver retention? I think we're starting to, as an industry to come to realize that recruiting and retention start in the recruiting phase. You have to have that recruiting aimed at the culture you're trying to bring in and you have to know what culture you are trying to recruit for. You have to incorporate that into the process. So the recruiters being educated on not only what the offer is, but also being educated on what the company stands for, what they're trying to get behind and what they're trying to achieve and being able to share that with the drivers are going to help them bring in the right drivers to fit that organization. And you're seeing that shift. You're starting to see people understand that this is more than just trying to find a pulse to go in the seat. We're trying to find the right people for the right job within that organization. So the constant re-education in inside each company and the constant re-engagement with their recruiters and having marketing and recruiting work together to communicate that early on is going to attract those drivers to the right places, which then in turn reciprocates to a better retention rate. Would you say that there are, you know, certain aspects maybe of company culture that you that you don't see companies focusing on enough? Because I agree, culture is really important. You got to hire people that are the right fit, find those right folks. There's certain things that that maybe they're not uh, they're not focusing on enough that you might identify. A lot of times, people are focusing on pay and home time, and where those things are, what's going to solidify whether a driver's interested. What about what the company's getting behind? What they stand for? What causes do they support? Um, keeping it personal. You know, some of these companies do a very good job of keeping it personal. They know these drivers, and as you get bigger, that gets a little tougher. 
but there's still the driver manager culture that's working directly with that driver that you should encourage them to do this stuff. They should know about the drivers, their families, what events are coming up. These are the things that drivers are caring about right now. They want to be part of a family, a culture. They don't want to just be part of a big organization that doesn't know who they are or what their values are in life. We're all going to work for the same reason. We have families or causes that we're trying to support. I think on top of that, what we're seeing is a balance. Companies are having a harder time finding those drivers that want to stay out and live in the truck. So companies are having to adjust those lanes and talk to their customer base to adjust their lanes in order to get the drivers home more uh, consistently so they can live a life outside of the truck because it hasn't gotten easier out there. I mean, Jeremy, I've seen you touch base on this a couple of times. The facilities out there, the accessibility to healthier food options, healthcare, it gets rough on that road. I've been there, I've done it. So getting these guys home a little bit more frequently so they can feel like they're part of a normal civilization, it matters. And Jeremy, I want to I want to take a stab at this too, just to add a little bit of uh, commentary. Um, I do think that the industry as a whole has more of awareness now than ever before that retention is such a critical aspect of the overall funnel of how a driver engages with a carrier. I mean, we know trucking has a hundred percent turnover um, on average. It's it's been that way for a long time. And let's say that you are a, a medium-sized company, you got a thousand trucks um, and um, 100% turnover, right? You've got to hire a thousand drivers a year just to maintain your fleet size. First of all, that's mind-boggling. You got to just, just, just to stay flat, you got to hire a thousand. At that scale, right, of, of hiring that many people, what's easier? Is it more cost-effective to recruit and hire a new one? Or is it more cost effective to invest and keep in one that you've already had? And in my view, the challenge with retention is that there's a lack of products that can actually be ran to help retention. Retention is something that starts with the leadership of a company. It's a it's a conscious it's it's a choice that the company has to make. There are products out there, you know, Max uh, Workhound, right? He spoke at our summit. There are products that build awareness to the issues. Um, But still, retention is what that carrier does once they know they have the issue. Um, We kind of joked about it. You know, you have a leak in your funnel. And so you're leaking all your drivers out from at this retention phase of the process. Well, it's easy for a decision maker at a carrier to say, to solve a problem, that let's just throw more money at leads. We'll, we'll just hire more than turn over. Or um, we'll be faster at getting the driver an answer for orientation. Um, that, those are all one way to do it. But there's, there's more focus than ever, I feel like, at retention. So I, so I will say that. I still feel like that the industry hasn't gotten there yet in terms of, how do you outsource that problem to somebody else to solve? Because it, it, that problem can only really be solved internally at a company. And no matter how good any company is, the carrier has to make the conscious choice to do it. And I think that's the toughest part with retention is that they've got to do it on their own versus just saying, hey, spend more money on leads. So, that, I mean, that's how I view the problem holistically. Um, so, um well, I, I hear a lot of complaints, you know, from recruiters, recruiting directors who feel like, you know, they're in a, a, a recruitment rut, right? They're working harder and harder, spending more to attract, you know, or hire, uh, you know, even fewer drivers. So any any suggestions maybe for how best to 
to maximize. I know we're talking retention, and while that's still relevant, there's you never turn the spigot off from a recruiting standpoint. Any, any suggestions maybe for how best to maximize the recruiting effort, especially in this uh, competitive market? Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'll, I'll tee you up here, Charles. I, I'm going to answer one because I think in my view, in my eye was made open more recently um, just how important that recruitment phase is um, and the role of the recruiter and the role of the recruiting process, the speed to lead, the speed to hire, the, the, the experience that the driver has. Um, you know, like I said, we, we can be as academically perfect on marketing and advertising as efficient as possible there. And there's a lot of good people in this space that know how to advertise. And so people have been advertising effectively for 20 years now. So, so you know, I feel like the industry from an acumen point of view, we're, we've probably reached the pinnacle or probably towards the upper echelons of the pinnacle of driving efficiency on lead generation. So I don't think the industry has a lot of gains that's, that's in, in front of us holistically. Where the deficiency lies is on the recruitment phase and on the retention phase. And that's why Charles and Hot Seat Services joining the family of brands of Cub Ventures. That's why I put a focus there, because that's the area that I would say is the area that the carrier has the most ability to influence immediately. And uh, so, uh, Charles, I mean, you're kind of the expert here. But in my view, that's kind of where I think the focus needs to shift for carriers. No, I agree fully, and uh, you're not wrong at any aspect of that. A lot of times when we're working with our clients and we're trying to evaluate where their problem is, it's easy to say throw more money at it because you grab that low-hanging fruit, that person that can start right away, but it's truly not solving your problem. You just throw money at it. When we get in there and we start evaluating where that pipeline might be leaking, where where's a speed bump might be slowing down the process, usually you're going to find it in the speed-to-lead phase or the speed-to-hire phase, and either one of those can seriously hinder your ability to recruit drivers efficiently. At the end of the day, you also have to remember we're dealing with actual people. So if the process is taking too long, if it's taking too long at speed to lead phase where someone needs to reach out to this person that expressed interest in a specific company, which is a huge feat nowadays as is, well, you're going to lose that applicant before you even got to talk to them. And if speed to hire, when you're processing that applicant, if people aren't maintaining that engagement, keeping that driver moving through the process in a timely manner and treating it with the respect it deserves, you're going to lose that applicant. And these are the two biggest areas where we're seeing issues. So being able to allow the carrier to see from someone else's point of view, how to improve this, how to identify where the issue's at and how to optimize their recruiting efforts. It's not only a win for them in the recruiting side, it's a win for the drivers they're trying to bring in because you're showing them the respect they deserve. Now, I know from a time perspective, we're, we're running uh, close to the end. And so it, it flies, you know, when, when we're all talking and engaged on such important stuff. I do want to make sure we have an opportunity to take a deeper dive, a question from a listener um, seeking expert advice, and especially coming from you, because I think this is uh, perfectly aimed at uh, a lot of what CDLIF can help people with. And the question is, I see a lot of people using video, which I think is really effective, uh, but we don't have a budget for that. How can we use video on a very low budget? Any any suggestions there? I mean, video was a plenty at the uh, Turning Point Summit. Now that's professional stuff, and and you know Paul's amazing. Um, how do you how can you use video on a low budget? Um, the 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 authenticity 
if, if you are just authentic, get your phone out, get your camera out, record a selfie. I mean, those things do better than any high production stuff. And um, it, it's like from an advertising perspective, if you're doing any any display based advertising and you have to capture, I think, you know, uh, we, Michaela, um, representative for Meta, Meta, a parent company of Facebook, came on stage and she talked at our summit and she told us that. seconds, I think, was the number of how long somebody takes to scroll through feed content on Facebook. 0.3 seconds. So so when you're looking through Facebook and you see a high production ad or a thumbnail for a video or you see somebody's face just staring at you from a selfie standpoint – which of the two might you personally stop at just to just to consume? So video is not hard. We've got amazing high-end video. We live in an age that just get your phone out. It comes back to the manpower. Do you have somebody internally that's willing to be that, quote, ambassador for your company? Um, and so I would just say experiment, go after it, try it out. Uh, be okay to kind of fail. Um, be okay for your content not to work out. And it's like anything. If you start a YouTube channel brand new, you're not going to have viewers at first. You have to produce the content. You got to invest on the content on a regular basis. Um, just like your show, Jeremy. I'm sure the very first. I'm sure that your your viewership right now is a hundred times greater than what it was after the very first show that you ever did. And so we live in instant gratification. I've seen companies invest in video, but then they give up early. They, they do one or two things, and then all of a sudden they're like, well, this isn't working. Well, Rome wasn't built in a day. I mean, so it's kind of like you got you to stick with it. The road to success is long and hard, but if you stick with it, you will be the person that it pays off for. Um, so that, that's my rallying cry for anybody that wants to do video. Well said. And uh, first of all, thank you both uh, so much for joining me today. Really appreciate it and look forward to seeing you at some upcoming events, uh, hopefully uh, before the end of the year. Absolutely. Let's do it. Thanks for having us on. And thanks for joining me for another episode of Taking the Higher Road and for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. Remember, you can submit any questions or comments, including those which may appear on upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you use to listen. Until next time, thank you for taking the higher road.